Open your eyes. This is America. The greatest nation on Earth. Where rats have it better than Italian children. If we are to build an empire of hope, we must first conquer New York. Our New York is being threatened by a wave of brown-skinned filth. They just keep coming. We ought to ship them all back. We have to show America we are all people of dignity. I want to build an orphanage. Be careful. This place will eat you alive. Even the Pope cannot protect you from what may come. I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome back to uh, Unashamed. I'm uh, still at the Southern Lair. We're still searching for Zach. He's in parts unknown. So maybe we'll we'll discover him. Uh, He's trying to, to find back. his next project, Al. Yeah, I think I embarrassed him when the last time he was here because I was like, Zach, it's time to move on. <laughs> You're only as good as your next project. I have not seen him since I said that. So, uh, <laughs> You've inspired him, Jace, to look. I was kind of kidding, but, you know, because I like Zach. What I love about Zach is he's he's got thick skin, so it, it's good for him. He does. Well, he's a he's a dasher. They all do. Um so I've been, Lisa, I've been heavy into our, our travel season because um, what we mostly speak at are fundraising banquets and we just did a marriage thing as well. And so I've kind of been traveling around the fruited plains uh, like you have, Jace, doing their show. And uh, it's got me a little bit stopped up today. But it's the, I think it's the vast um, different climates we have. You know, you don't realize it, Dad, when you, if you don't travel a lot around the U S that, I mean, I'd never been to New Mexico before. So we went to, we flew into Roswell, New Mexico, which are, they're known for like aliens. You know, that's where yeah, area 54 is there. What did you see? You see any? I area? didn't, I didn't. Well, I saw some strange people uh, <laughs> that maybe were, <laughs> that could have possibly been aliens. I'm not sure. But uh, what I, what I thought was funny was the little town. It's just a little Western town. They've leaned into it, you know, but on their little storefronts, you know, about every other store, they're selling T-shirts and little, you know, the the eyes. They got the uh, like sunglasses that look like alien eyes. And so I thought, well, I guess they've just leaned into it and thought, you know, it's a chance to have a little commerce. Well, that's the next uh, idea right there. We have a we the next movie project for Zach. IFOs. Identified. Flying objects, which would be us, because we have an identity in Christ, and part of that identity is the resurrection. IFOs. So is this going to be? Is this going to be before or after your good zombie? Uh, I, well, you know idea? what? I think you name the zombie movie IFOs. So you combine that thought, and at some point, the good zombies which are spirit-filled people, then levitate as their leader comes down to earth. <laughs> That's pretty good. Why wouldn't well, that I think work? I've, 
I mean, we're putting all it, the people, we're doing the legwork here. While <laughs> said, where are you going with all this? You said, well, we're, we're, we're studying when he appeared and before he flew away. But when he flew away, he said, I'll be back. So yeah, don't worry. Well, the angel said he'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. But, and actually, you know, I mean, only recently did I realize that he actually wasn't flying or he wasn't levitating. Cause if you had that kind of power, you wouldn't have to do that. He was only doing that kind of like the picture of Luke 16. He created a picture that I'm bigger than the laws of gravity and nature. I'm bigger than that. So watch this. This is a hold my wine. Yeah. Well, you know, hold my wine and watch Her, this. Hold my fermented grapes and yeah. watch this. He levitate, but he didn't have to do that. You know, for years I thought, oh, we're flying because of 1 Thessalonians 4. We will meet the Lord in the air. But we are identified in Christ. So we would be identified with a name. This Luke 16, he gave Lazarus. You would be an identify, identify, identified flying object. Flying objects. So I figured out, I think, why that the, uh, if there are these aliens, why they picked that particular part of our country, because there's no trees there. Uh, in fact, I, so we were speaking at the town, the little town we spoke at was called Artesia, which was like a neighboring town to Roswell. And I drove 45 minutes. I never saw a tree. And I, when I got there, I told the people, I said, I, I've got a deal for you guys. Like Louisiana, we got a lot of trees. We could loan y'all some trees because I'm assuming they could grow here. Did somebody just come through and say, yeah. no no trees in New Mexico? I mean, there's no trees there. No wonder the aliens, can, you can see for miles. It, it was amazing. I've never well, seen a place. there's no trees there, maybe that's why they're seeing so many aliens because anything what you see on the horizon becomes an unidentified object because they don't have trees. Yeah, yeah no, no woods which was kind of strange. So we went from there, literally from, I mean, New Mexico to Minnesota, Minnesota. And it was like an hour and a half north of Minneapolis. So we're way almost up toward Canada. And what was amazing about that, the shift, of course, when we got there, you're right on the Mississippi River, just like we are. So it looked just like it was a northern version of Louisiana. You got trees, you got rivers, you got lakes, completely different setup. And a bunch of hunters. I found some Minnesota rednecks, Jay's where I was. Really? Uh, and we, yeah, and we did a, we did a marriage thing, but they had opening day of pheasant season. Uh, the day we were there. And so those guys were sacrificing pheasant hunting to come here and speak about marriage. So, well, that's pretty impressive. Did, were, yeah. did they have the same accent where they say ducks like they're mad at them? They say, yeah, duck, duck hunting. Yeah, duck, yeah. duck hunting. Yeah. yeah. Of course, and they were laughing. They were laughing at how slow we talked, but it was a, it was a great church, great group of people. Uh, and they, they had a little, they had a couple of worship leaders, um, had a little opening act. I call them the Velvet Bros. They were wearing velvet jackets, and they had a little, like a funny, not so newlywed game that led into every one oh, of our man. Al, that's, segments. I, I don't. That doesn't work. The contrast is more than I can bear. <laughs> if you're gonna set up in front of a semi duck blind, and for you that are listening, we have a picture. <laughs> 
It looks like uh, kind of a 1980s disco band feel to it. <laughs> One of them has a mullet, you know, there too. He's working the old, of course, yeah. the mullet is back, you know. So, but those were the worship leaders. And I don't know, yeah. they were, I don't know what the velvet jackets were for, but, you know, it just kind of added to their flavor. So, yeah, but they had the little displays set up for pictures, which I thought was kind of funny. And I didn't even notice it the first day. But, these these good people. I mean, everywhere you go, and and it seems like lately the Almighty Dad has been taking us to blue states. I mean, these are states that politically, you know, kind of don't line up with us. But you meet the best people in the world that are there, and I just kind of always, you know, I hate that they're in some of these situations. But they're they're godly, amazing people doing one little team, uh, a woman and her daughter. They came all the way from New York City. And New York City. I said, where are you from? They said, New York. <laughs> they said, the mother of the two said, you've seen these people running up and down the streets of New York New York City, if you've noticed that, and they carry these signs and they're chanting and all that. He said, they said, that's us right there. Until we read one of your books and we said, wait a minute here. He's, this old guy is talking about being lifted off the earth and spend eternity alive. And, and she said, what am I doing out there running around, grappling and complaining with a lot of other people, and I don't even know what I'm doing there. So they said, so we repented, and we are ready to be baptized if you will do that. And I said, I will do that. I said, so I sat down. We studied. This is a little group there, about 40 or 50. But they were this, two of them. They said, the ones you see with the signs and chanting this and that and other, that's what we've been doing. And we, we, we've, we've run out of, we're done with it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, thanks to you, Dad, you've taken them right off the picket line. Oh, I right? said, well, it <laughs> is. I mean, these it kind is. of stories make me feel good, you know. Me I mean, too. The Lord can really tear down. Walls that I, just, I'll never forget, Jason, when the show was about to launch, the, the little duck show we used to do was about to launch. We went to New York City and to to be there for some kind of a event. And I was so amazed because about every four blocks, in fact, we stopped at one and took a picture. There was a there would be on every bus stop, every few blocks, there would be a picture, a, a big giant picture of you or dad or Willie or Cy. And it was like all over the city. And, and I was just, I, I don't know why it intrigued me so much, but I was amazed because I thought we're in New York city, but every four blocks, there's a picture of one of y'all four with the, you know, they kind of elongated your beards. And I thought, I wonder what the people who live here who have no idea what this show is about. Because it didn't even have anything else on it that I recall, just a picture of y'all. I thought, I wonder, what are they thinking when they're, they're sitting there waiting on their bus and they're heading down to wherever, and they look over there and see a picture of Dad? What are they thinking about that? Oh, but I, know, I, but I, I think I know what they're thinking. Those poor people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a little header. There's one floating around now out there. And it says he is not woke. Oh, I know. You told us about that last podcast. <laughs> Anti-woke. It sent your head into a tailspin. Yeah. There's so many new words now that people are inventing for their beliefs. And uh, 
I'm not really impressed with that. I mean, I think IFOs are a little more creative and way more inspirational. Identified flying, uh, identifiable flying objects. Yeah, and you like can that. play that song. Yeah, I can. I believe I can fly. Yeah. If well, I, well, I really all, do. If this is all <laughs> a lie, this book that we've been looking at for the last forty years, fifty. If 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 this is some kind of story somebody made up, what a doozy of a story did they ever come up with? It no, they didn't. It would it. be impossible for somebody to out to sit there and go back in time and put all these dates together, and then you have people that will be raised from the dead. So whoever that you couldn't make pull that off. By just getting together about 10 or 15 of you or 30 of you or whatever, some learning center, and come up with this. I mean, no. you just couldn't do no, it. It's like you said uh, about the family from New York City. So when I, we did the VIP uh, meet and greet at the Mighty Oaks event the other night, this guy came up and he had a Vietnam hat on, you know, Vietnam veteran. And so, you know, everybody was, you're in a VIP line. They paid money. I don't know what they paid, but I'm sure it was pretty substantial just to have their 10-second meet and greet here. And this guy steps up there and he said, I never liked you. And it was just an awkward pause. Because usually <laughs> I say the same things over and over, you know, because they're like, I'll yeah. watch the show. I didn't have a response to, I never liked you. <laughs> but the more i watched and the more i listened i thought maybe i should see for myself what this jesus is all about and so he said the more i looked the more i realized i think they're right <laughs> i said and so now you're here and you paid a lot of money to tell me that <laughs> <laughs> it was he never said he liked you he never did say he repented i still don't think he likes me but i don't care because he loves the lord now that's and right a man shouldn't think of himself more highly than he ought and uh but you know he was just a no-nonsense military guy yeah right and he just he doesn't like how i roll and that is perfectly fine with me as long as you're in the lord you know we'll love each other in spite the fact that you just never have liked me i thought it was funny and uh i think if you if you can't laugh at yourself also it, it was just his opinion oh and by the way he gave me a 400 dollar bill from vietnam and he said, I want you to give this to your Uncle Si and tell him and whatever Vietnam president that he named, because I couldn't repronounce yeah. that. And he said it real quick. He said, you tell him that this Vietnam president appreciates his service, <laughs> <laughs> which it caused me to laugh. So I, next time I see Si, I'm going to give him $400. Yep. I think, weren't they called Dong? We did an episode on that. I think yeah, Sai of... buried a bunch of Dongs out in his yard yeah. uh Vietnamese money because he thought one day that might be worth something. And then he couldn't remember <laughs> where he buried it. And yeah. so we tried to make an episode out of it, which yeah, turned out so... pretty pretty funny. It was kind of like the story funny. I told you when he lost the classified uh, documents. And he actually defended that and still does to this day. 
Well, He's you like, know what's so funny I mean, about that, Jace? That episode, they actually, when they were filming it, they actually discovered uh, in that episode, not you know, not on camera, but that Sai's house was riddled with termites, and so. <laughs> Which was actually reality was even funnier. So, so he had to he had they had to tear down that house, and that's when he got in McClayton home that he lives in now. But when they were doing that episode, somebody on the crew discovered the termites had eaten Sai's house. It, it was something as simple as Sai, your house is literally <laughs> falling down. It's riddled with termites. And you know what Sai said? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. So we seem to be in a kind of a weird cultural place where we're having to protect our children more than ever. Um, you know, you got a lot of influences that are out there working against us. And we know ultimately the evil one is behind it. But uh, what we're trying to do is teach our kids uh, values and truth and we got to do that at home because if you don't do that there, you're not, they're not be able to face what's out there. And so one of the, our friends and sponsors is a group called Brave Books. Uh, and they believe in providing families with resources, uh, that instill biblical values in your home. And it allows you to spend some quality time with your kids as well. And Jace, I think you know one of the authors pretty well, don't you? I do. My lovely wife. She went together with Brave Books and did this. The name of hers is Because You're My Family. And I just opened it up, and first page, Welcome to Freedom Island, home of the brave, where good battles evil and truth prevails. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm no, in. It's I, a, I, I'm in. <laughs> hers is a great book. That girl got away with words, yes. She does. She's good. <laughs> So here's what they release a new book every month uh, on different topics, sanctity of life, uh, discernment, importance of family, freedom, as uh, Jay's just mentioned there, lovable characters, epic adventures. The books are really great. Uh, so don't wait. Go to bravebooks.com right now and use the code unashamed for 20% off your Brave Books family subscription. That's bravebooks.com. Code unashamed for 20% off your subscription. Oh, that's funny. I had forgotten that. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. started size uh, Clayton Holmes, which he has a nice place now. So uh, we've been talking about Luke 16. Um, and the last episode, Jace, we were we were talking about this um, story that Jesus tells about the rich man and Lazarus. And it really, you know, kind of opens up a lot of, you know, I guess conjecture. Uh, that people have about what what heaven's going to be like, what hell's like. We 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 established, in our opinion, that we think that wasn't the point of the story. The story is about judgment, about making a decision, about not waiting till it's too late. Was what his point was, and making your choice. But there are some elements in there that are interesting when you think about you know what heaven's like, what hell's like, because most people want to know that. And I get it. And we said on the podcast, the last podcast that Jesus talks quite a bit about, um, heaven and hell, but more about hell actually than he does about heaven. And there's a lot of different metaphors, a lot of different pictures. And one of those was fire. that was interesting. And you talked about Keller 
kind of his view of that, which I tend to kind of agree with. Yeah, he made a profound statement. I don't know if we ever said it on the main podcast, but we did an overtime that, you know, he got up to preach this sermon on Luke 16, and he was like, you know, I get questions about whether this fire is a literal fire. And he said, the more I've studied, you know, I don't think it's a literal fire. I think it's a metaphor. And so you could hear this collective relief. Murmur. Yeah, everybody (laughs) like, ooh, all right. And then he pauses and says, however, what it represents, I do believe, is way worse. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, back to murmuring. (laughs) And we're kind of being flippant with this, but the bottom line is it is scary. And this is a picture, and I told you my take on why I think a real name is used here, Lazarus, which means, to your point, God helps. God helps. But if you're trying to obtain eternity by any, or or just attain satisfaction on earth by anything other than God's help, it's not going to end well. I mean, even if you don't believe, well, what, what is your thoughts? If you don't believe in God, you you just end. That's it. Or, I mean, there's a few Hollywood thoughts that, like, I'll freeze my body. Then maybe a thousand years from now, technology will catch up. They'll get me back going again. Or you believe that you're absorbed into whatever this energy is that's causing life to happen. I mean, even in the the world of non-believers, they just don't have many ideas about how to continue. They're trying to yeah. fix it via robots. Robots. Well, and then that's not we'll you. put we can we have the power now to put whatever all these things in the, in a robot's head mm-hmm. and he goes out and he does the work and he does this and 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 when he kind of falters a little bit we just adjust a few little little things in there, and he'll he'll kick back at it, and he'll just live long as we're here. He'll just live on. Now, when we pass, we'll have other people coming along, making sure that the robot is still operating. Yeah, you know, good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> then you have the spirit people who believe. Well, my, I'm I'm just going to be a spirit. But when you think about that, think about being only in spirit form. I mean, even the Holy Spirit is connected in oneness with God, who has a Mm -hmm. visible image, you know, in the Bible. And you have Jesus, who obviously became a man. Became a man. But if you were just a spirit, well, just think about this. You would have whatever that conscious dwelling would be without a way to express it, which sounds a little more like hell, just just imagine you have no way to express. So when you really, it comes back to Jesus and you, you start looking at the details of this, to your point about who could make this up, the more you look at the details, the more you're convinced this, this is coming from something outside of our universe. I mean, the Bible itself. Mm-hmm. It, it's like the writer and the creator has stepped into the creation and yeah. actually done something supernatural where God becomes visible via a human 
from a virgin. So it starts off supernatural, but then he lives a human life. You know, he's a carpenter. He builds houses. He's helping kids. He's then all of a sudden he starts doing supernatural things. He's doing miracles. And but the human side of him is he's getting tired. And so you're seeing the supernatural in an ordinary way. And we're ordinary humans. And then it culminates by him coming back from the dead and then functioning as an ordinary human again. You know, eating the fish on the riverbank, having hugs, uh, having conversations. And that, that's why I love Acts 1 when it says, as he's, as you alluded to, Phil, as he levitates and the angel says that they, that's real specific. It says, this same Jesus who you've seen taken up into heaven shall return. So just think about that statement. So look. This same Jesus. Yeah, so look, and before his arrival, 760 B.C., one, somebody by the name of Isaiah said, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Now, how does this dude, 760 years before Jesus died, was read, read, how does he know this? Just as there were many who were appalled at him. Where are you at, Isaiah, where? I'm Isaiah uh, 52, 53. His form marred beyond human likeness. They, they, after they got done with him, Jace, you couldn't even tell what it was there. Yeah, so Isaiah's prophesying about what would happen to the Son of Man, the predict That's Je- right. Jesus, the Messiah. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. He's going to have a powerful influence on the human race. But what they were not told, they'll see. And what they've not heard, they'll, they'll understand. Who's believed their message? Well, that message, this is 760 years before Jesus came and Virgin Mary died on a cross, buried in a tomb. Who's believed their message? To whom has the the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him in like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. So it was very, a root out of dry ground, meaning it's not going to happen. Well, you look over there and you say, well, it it does that. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Uh, And at about this point, most people would say, uh, this actually happened, this being, like one from whom men hide their faces, he come by, you just turn like, oh my goodness. Who in the world? He was despised. We esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, stricken by him, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds were healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What a story. No, it's a fantastic point. It was uh, uh, kind of uh, Keller's point when he did the lesson 
which is you don't appreciate the love of God till That's you right. understand there's a real hell because the punishment that was laid on Jesus's back should have been our punishment because we're all unworthy. This is a wild arrival any way you want to slice it. Which is why Jude, you know, would say in, in his little book that by sharing Jesus, you know, you snatch people from the fire. Yeah. So on the Unashamed podcast, we talk a lot about spiritual preparedness, uh, being ready for the next life and what's coming. Uh, but we also have a lot of uh, sponsors and groups out there that are looking at being prepared in this life as well. Uh, we take self-sufficiency and personal accountability very seriously. Uh, with everything that's gone on the last few years, uh, we've come to understand the importance of being prepared for anything. Having the right tools to handle even medical emergencies ourselves has never been more important. That's why we love the Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit. The peace of mind that a kit like this provides is worth every penny. We promise you it's going to become a cornerstone within your preparedness supply. Whether it's natural disasters, medical emergencies, supply chain shortages, and everything else going on in the world, you can rest easy knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics to help keep you and your family safe. The kit includes a comprehensive guidebook so you know exactly how and when to use these medications. Don't wait till it's too late. Go to twc.health/unashamed and use the code unashamed for 10% off your medical emergency kit. That's twc.health/unashamed. Use the code unashamed. Be smart, be ready, be prepared. Whether this fire is literal, we realize that we you know what happens in fire? What what picture are we given here? Whether it's literal or whether it's figurative, and you throw in the verses like, uh, isn't it, where's the one that says uh, God will punish those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel? Uh, yeah, this is Second Thessalonians 1, 7. He'll give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. He'll pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled, which is this idea of justice and, and judgment is really God making all the injustices of the world right. Now, granted, he made them right for, for our sake on the cross, but he's also going to hold to account all the injustices that evil people do, which is what the final judgment is all about. Well, that gives us relief and comfort and gives us a way to forgive he's the on this perfect, earth. He's the perfect king. Yeah. So then he makes this statement. King over what? You say his followers. No, you're right, Phil. I mean, I wouldn't be for a judgment setting or I wouldn't be for a a king-led country if the king wasn't perfect or the judge wasn't perfect. You know, the problem with having a king now is that we're all imperfect. There's not even that come close. Well, Exactly. So, so every time we get into this, you know, people say, well, geez, I mean, I'm not for a monarchy. You know, that's why I don't follow Jesus. I, I had somebody say, it would say take, that one time. I was like, yeah, but what if the king was perfect? Yeah, and yeah, it would take was... more than a Jesus 
to invent a Jesus. It would take more than more than a, well, if he was just a man. That's 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 it's a valid point. But in that Second Thessalonians one passage, it says this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven. Now look at here we go again in blazing fire with his powerful angels. Now will it be a literal fire? I mean, will it be a fireball, or is it just showing a power, a consuming fire? He will punish those who do not know God, who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now listen to how this puts it. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction. Now I'm not sure what everlasting destruction is, but I won't know part of it. I mean, because my mind has a hard time. If you miss it and miss him and faith in him, it would be, it would be, it would it would fit right there. Well, and it actually clarifies that by saying and shut out from the presence of the Lord. Yep. So, because you look at there's other pictures Al about hell when you think about uh, gnashing of teeth. That's a phrase yep. you used, and you said what gnashing of teeth? So you got to get a visual on that. Well, the visual's uncomfortable because every time you've ever gnashed your teeth. You were in a lot of pain. That's you know, right. You're like, well, that that's an incredible visual to relate to your eternal destiny. I want nothing to do with that. So then I've had people argue, well, what about these passages that say hell is blackest darkness or a pit of darkness? Yep. Because they're like, well, if you got a fire, yeah. why would why would it be dark? How can you see? It's a contradiction. You and that's why I think. <laughs> There has to be some metaphorical language being used here. That's right. Because it's basically bringing up the scariest things we can relate to, saying that's where you're going to be. Well, instead of trying to be prideful, why not first consider, I don't need to go there. It's just well, bad. It, it's bad. <laughs> and and bad. it can't be any more clear in getting your and picture. very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Like, right. well, I don't believe it because if it, if I'm on fire, it wouldn't be dark. So I'm just not going to believe it. Now, the real reason you don't want to believe it is because you don't want to deal the consequences of why right. and how people go there, which uh, to your point, it's really, we see this in Luke 16 from the rich man. He was self-absorbed. He thought he had a power. He did not feel like an unworthy servant or human which we're going to get into in the next chapter he he just thought he was somebody and when you think you're somebody you see no need for god and when you think about it literally we do make mistakes accidents do happen we're, we're flawed we are perishable we do not really have any power in and of ourselves so I became kind of enamored with fire through this because I thought, you know, there's something about fire. While the fire is burning, you're out there in the middle of it, and if anybody's been watching, they just look at your your flesh being buried in the dirt in a slow process of where you basically disappear and just you rot, and there's no sign of you anywhere. All this fire and all this, the ones that made it, that all is right over here. But all you see is they dig a hole and throw you in it. Well, right. Well, uh, you know, one thing Keller thought that I'm not sure I agree with, but I thought it was interesting. 
because he kind of had a three-pronged attack, which is, you know, fire disintegrates in, in this context. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about justice, you know, the refining fire that's used in various places uh, in the Bible. Your heart stops, you disappear. Even when you go through suffering and persecution, it's used as an analogy of fire. And, and you remember when Peter, in his letter, did that? So it's like a refining process. So anything yeah. that doesn't really matter uh, is burned up. But the things yeah. that, that do Or the matter, impurities. Yeah. Here are the impurities. You know, the idea that you would refine gold or silver, the, a lot of the New Testament writers use that image of fire. You're right. So, Dad, we've seen uh, your videos get censored a few times in the past. Uh, you had one a few years ago where you were plucking a duck, and they called it animal cruelty, even though the duck was already dead. <laughs> so uh, the tech companies can shut you down any time over the silliest... There's a lot of feathers flying in every direction just to meet the world's food stuff. <laughs> That's exactly right. You got to plug them somewhere, don't you? <laughs> So these tech companies can shut you down any time over the silliest things. The folks over at Blaze have always let us say whatever we want on any of Dad's shows. And now they've launched another way to deliver content that won't get canceled or demonetized. If you go to theblaze.com right now, you'll see they've redesigned Blaze News. They've got news, opinion, analysis, lifestyle, sports, and tech commentary. But what you won't get are those annoying ads you see on other websites. All they're asking is if you find their work valuable, visit theblaze.com and subscribe to Blaze News. It's less than the cost of a cup of coffee a month to cut out the ads and invest directly in their news and commentary. If you're already a Blaze TV subscriber, the new ad-free Blaze News will be included with your Blaze TV subscription, along with Unashamed and 800 episodes of In the Woods with Phil. So check out the new site at theblaze.com. He made an assertion that that's really what hell is is about. It's more of a disintegrating eternity of what you you escalated yourself to a point where you didn't want to be in the presence of God, and therefore he's basically just allowing you to have the fulfillment of what your heart desired, and it's not going to hold up, and that's your eternity. I mean, it was a it was a pretty profound thought, but I thought, hmm. But what I wanted to read is another picture, and we talked about this in overtime, but I felt like it was important to bring up. You know, the book of Revelation, there's a letter or seven letters written to seven churches, which is not apocalyptic language in the first three chapters. And uh, and, and he basically starts off Revelation, Revelation saying these things are about to occur, like there's some kind of judgment going to come on believers and Christians, followers of Jesus are going to be martyred. And well, then from chapter four to chapter 22, there's all these pictures of this great war between good and evil, between those who follow Jesus and those who do not. And the evil one is brought up and the nations that are, that are used by the evil one to oppress godly people. And look, it would take us a lot longer to go through, through that, and I hope one day we do get into it. But without getting into the details, the kind of things that we're talking about in Luke 16 come up. And just to give you an illustration of that, uh, it, 
chapter 20 and about verse, uh, let's see where, where am I at? Like the second part of six, it says, the second death has no power over them. Uh, they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign. Uh, and then it starts talking about Satan's doom. And he sees this fire. It came down from heaven in verse nine. And the evil one who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night. Uh, then he sees this, this great white throne and these books are opened, and we made the point about the book of life. Those whose name were written in the book of life, verse 15, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And then in chapter 21 and verse 8, which is a famous passage, it says, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. And he says, this is the second death. So then a lot of people say, what, what is the second death? So we know that Hebrews 9, 27, you know, man is destined to die once and then face judgment. judgment. And, and that's all in the context of Jesus sacrificing for our sins so that when we stand before God, we will be deemed clean based on his righteousness and not ours. So then all of a sudden you see this picture form of this, this second death. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is because our world is obsessed with that YOLO, you only live once. Well, after I read this, I'm thinking, I hope I only die once <laughs> <laughs> and then face judgment. And I'm welcome because if you die twice, so what would that be? Uh, yo do? Yo do. We, we could start a new uh, trend instead of YOLO. You could have... Yodo. Yodo. Not Yodo. to be confused with Yoda, the character on... Uh, <laughs> or, or Baby Yoda. <laughs> yeah. So I just think it's interesting, though. It's giving you a, th this picture. And uh, so what, what I did, I thought this is interesting. So I, I was looking up last night about why fire is uh, so unique. You, you just think about the earth and all the things that are created and and it's the whole reason I was interested in God was really when I was a kid, I just remember looking at creation itself, a, a person of the outdoors who was always drawn to that and just the details of life and looking at the sky and seeing the stars and I just thought somebody designed this. I mean, that was my draw and uh, your conversion feel you know, kind of validated that because it's like, oh, the same God who the designer who created this, he also came to earth in Jesus. And so you know, I was putting all the pieces together, but I've always been enamored with fire because I'm like, how did this just happen? Because it's so mesmerizing. You think about how many times you've been sitting around a campfire and there's something about it that is just mesmerizing to me. And uh, so I was looking up all the science of that. What what I stumbled across, which I wanted to get y'all's comments on this. So there's a place called the Darvaza Gas Crater. Have you ever heard of that? It's in a country, and I'm going to try to pronounce this country, Turkmenistan. 
It's right beside Afghanistan. It used to be under Russian rule for for years because I started researching this. Now, before you go visit this Darvaza gas crater, it was like number two or three in like human rights violations. I mean, right behind North Korea. So just take that into consideration. But what happened was over 50 years ago, they were doing some... uh, they had some big equipment out there, and they were they were going to try it because it's it has a lot of natural gas deposits there in that country, and that's that's the way they make their money. Well, they had all this heavy equipment, and so when they were digging down a little bit, this crater formed, and all the machines just got th- thrown into the pit here, and and miraculously, no one died uh, over this. Well. So they tried to get the machines out, but what they noticed is every time they would come up when they were trying to get the machines out, that all the wildlife that came up to this crater would just die. they just fall over dead. And so they realized that some kind of gas was emitting out of, out of the crater. And so they got together and said, well, let's light this thing. Let's see if it's flammable. So they light the hole in the ground. That was over 50 years ago, and the fire has never gone out. <laughs> and they've dubbed it the pit of hell. And tourists go there and see it. This thing has been on fire for over 50 years, and it's it's big. It's about 240 feet across and about— but humans started the fire. Humans started the fire, and now they can't put it out. Can't put it out. And, and if you look at a picture, if you Google it— it looks like uh, uh, the pit of hell. The pit of hell. And, and what I found fascinating as I w- was reading this, of course, it's some kind of natural gas, exp- you know, a fire that literally won't go out. But what was the most fascinating is because this wildlife gets confused, and they say sometimes of the year, like thousands of spiders migrate to this, and they all just jump in the pit. And that, I mean, they all die. And uh, there was a, there's a lot of fascinating articles. It, it's like a, one of the wonders of our world. But I thought, you know, if you wanted to, if if you really wanted to get a picture, or try to explain, you know, from God's perspective, what being shut out from the presence of God is like, and you actually have a place on Earth that for 50 years has been burning due to human error or human mistake, and just the very creation itself. It is just kind of interesting that there's a place in our world where there's just a fire pit. where and you anything, can't put it out. You can't. There it is. Look at the, There's the picture of it. That's what it looks like. Good. That, right. That's what it is. And look, and, and, and creatures keep falling in it to their death. You're like, why would... They can't figure out that you shouldn't jump in there. or And it just made me think about hell and how it relates to human beings. Being shut out from the presence of God is the worst possible scenario. You know, let's just say for a minute, there is a creator. It's God. This plan is true. How else is he going to describe not being in his presence? He's eternal. He's, he's not on the same time scale as we are, and he wants what's best for us, and he, and he proved it throughout history. 
by sending Jesus. Well, how else is he going to describe? What what else? What worse thing can you come up with? And uh, the more I read about that pit, the more I realized that's why he's using that literal or figurative, because there are literally thousands of things dying when they get anywhere near that thing, and it won't go out. And so now they're trying to figure out how to put it out, and they can't figure it out. I mean, they literally, you think technology has come to a place where we can figure out how to get a fire out, but they can't, they can't make it stop burning. We are at a tipping point in America. With 400,000 children in the U.S. foster care system and a quarter of those awaiting a forever family, Christians must step up. This is Jack Graham, senior pastor at Prestonwood Baptist Church, inviting you to Chosen, a summit addressing these urgent needs on Saturday, April 13th. Chosen will empower churches to begin foster care and adoption ministries and equip families who are adopting or fostering. We have great speakers joining me, including Sadie Robertson Huff and Governor Greg Abbott of the great state of Texas, along with dozens of breakout sessions. I urge you to join us and help make a difference in the lives of these precious children. Register at Prestonwood.org slash chosen. When you, when you go down that rabbit hole, you'll see they've pretty well tried everything possible. What's delayed it is the country is, you know, so poor and they have such a bad reputation that they are making a little money from tourists coming to look at because people are trying other, uh, you know, very smart people are trying to figure out scientists and different things. What is, what, what, why won't this thing go out? Which is, you're right. The, the spiritual implications of it and just the idea of it. And that maybe, cause you think about fire itself, like we're, we're on the, we're on the crust of a planet. We're walking around every day, but like, if you just started drilling down, you're going to run into fire ultimately. I mean, we're at the core of our planet is molten lava. You know, when, it's, when coming we were from, at, it's coming from both directions. That's right. From the Which earth is pretty amazing when you think about it. There's yeah. fire well, coming was, out of the sky, coming out of heaven. I mean, I'm looking up, you know, you see a big ball of fire go across. You say, what in the world was that? If something <laughs> comes through the atmosphere, guess what it does? It catches on fire. Yeah. Well, I read an interesting article about so so a few years ago. You know, there's there's a guy. It was almost you know the story was like the equivalent of the you know the first us first landing on the moon. You know, some guy got in a suit that was supposedly fireproof and all, and I guess it was as it turned out. And a guy went to the bottom of the pit. Some scientist. He said, "We got to figure it out." You know, of course, he went down there and walked around on the fire, and they made a big deal of it. And uh, and lived to tell about it. Did didn't incinerate, which was incredible. And but then he still can't figure it out. So you, you know, <laughs> it, it's like <laughs> I was so fascinated by this place because it's literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, have you ever heard of Turkmenistan? I didn't even know it was a country. Never heard. Of I've it. heard. I've I, heard of it, but yeah. Then I read it's not about like they're it. They're well known. Yeah. And it's like it's a remote country already. And then this fire pit is in like the most remote place of the country. It's no life. And so, uh, and everything that is alive, every time they go around that pit, they wind up dying. It's just a, it's a phenomenon on our earth. But I just thought it's interesting to me to read something written 
2,000 years ago, and you have a living illustration 2,000 years later, and you're like, makes sense to me. I, I need to see what God's all about. I mean, it, it's a perfect illustration. That's why I wanted to to bring it up. Because before I, you know, before we had that, I remember thinking ever, you know, when I was younger, every time I heard that Bob Sear song, that Fire Lake, you know, he made a song about it. And I thought, how could the man not pursue Jesus? Because it was an interesting song. And because uh, he took things that didn't seem, you know, he had the bronze beauties. Uh, he had the eights and aces. Uncle Joe, yeah. you remember Uncle well, Joe. Well, Uncle Joe, his big thing was he wouldn't cut the cake. Yeah. So as a kid, <laughs> I couldn't understand that. I thought the man went to Fire Lake because he wouldn't cut a cake. But later on, I figured out, I thought, oh, he wouldn't get married. You know, so evidently he was like, I guess he was thinking, oh, this guy's like wanting to sleep with as many women as possible, but he wouldn't get married. I mean, that's the only thing I'd come up with because I don't think there's anything wrong with cutting a cake. So I thought he had unless, to be Unless I always thought it was he wouldn't, he didn't want to recognize he was getting older. Like who's cut the birthday out cake. To Fire Lake, he keep asking. Who's heading out to Fire Lake? Yeah. So if you're not unfamiliar with that song and you want to be motivated to give your life to Jesus, and like we said, the Fire Lake is not the motivation for coming to Christ. He, he, the rest of the Bible, the most, is all about God's grace for you. And there's not a whole lot in there about hell as compared to God's love in the New Testament. Would you agree with that? Yep. So, because that's how God calls people. That, that's what will really change your heart and give you motivation to be used by God, which is live a life of love. That's why when I preach, I share God's grace in, in, in Jesus. I might mention hell as an, as an alternative uh, place to live instead of with, with God forever. But I know that I've read this enough to know that God wants new creations based on his love and grace. And that's then going to go out to people as you minister to them you know the standing on the street corner saying turn or burn was not god's idea it, it's the gospel of jesus the That's good right. news uh, of jesus he's going to the world preaching. no doubt but he did mention this in luke 16 if you think you're going to find satisfaction on this earth and uh you know even in luke 12 remember when we read when he said don't fear those who can kill the body but fear the fear the one who has the power to throw your whole self into hell right which is the of course the entire point we're trying to make so we're out of time uh but a couple of thoughts i had i thought you were going to sing another song from revelation 21 8 i'm going to sing it in our overtime uh if you want to check that out it's well, we need to TV. get the bob seeger song out uh yeah that's right see if we can get him to support our podcast so we can play that <laughs> but go listen we'll get to mad fire at, lake we'll get maddie to work on that so we'll uh we'll see you in overtime Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube. And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.